Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for this beautiful late fall morning. We thank Thee even more importantly, Father, that we can gather and that we have a reason to gather. And that reason is that our Savior left courts of glory to come to the earth to make it possible that we might be reconciled with our Creator. Lord, that gift is priceless. There is nothing that we can do or say that could ever pay for that price. So we thank thee for thy mercy. We thank thee for thy grace. We thank thee for thy love. And we thank thee that we can gather and that others can gather with us. Lord, we pray for those that couldn't be with us, those that are aged and infirm, those that might be caring for the sick. Be with those, Lord, that have traveled away from us, we pray that their travel, thy travel mercies might be granted them, that they might be able to return home safely. Be with our loved ones, Lord, that will be traveling. This is the time of year when we say farewell to those that go to a warmer climate. And even though, Lord, we are far apart, our hearts are close because of the power of thy spirit. Lord, be with those that chose to stay away today. We pray that thou mightest visit them, that in a way that only a father can do, that thou mightest draw them with cords of love. And now speak to us out of thy word, and we will be careful to thank thee and to praise thee for all thy goodness in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> Dear ones, I have had a scripture on my heart for, for some time, and I'd like to ask that you turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33. And there's a verse that I'd like to read before that. You can still look for Exodus 33, but I want to read one verse from Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, and this is the account of the burning bush. Verse 6 says, Moreover, he said, I am thy God. I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. So keep that in mind as we read now in Exodus 33. And Exodus 33 is right after um, Moses comes down off the mountain. Um, He sees a commotion. Um, The the Israelites have have, uh, constrained Aaron to make a golden calf. Moses is so upset that he breaks the tablets the commandments that were on the tablets of stone. But he also, uh, he's having a conversation with God, and God says that he's going to destroy these, the, the children of Israel and create a nation out of Moses. And Moses actually intercedes on behalf of the children of Israel. So that's in verse uh, chapter 32. And then we get to chapter 33, beginning with the first verse. And the Lord said unto Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and thy people, which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, and the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed will I give it. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanites, and the Amorites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, 
for I will not go up in the midst of thee, for thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And when the people heard these tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on him put on him his, gar- his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off the ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves from their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out unto the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now the way that I may know thee, that I may may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not Carry us not up hence. Let me read that again, please. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us, up, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious unto whom I will be gracious And I will show mercy unto whom I will show mercy. For he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, 
And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand. And my... Sorry, let me read that verse again. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand, and thou shalt see my back parts. But my face thou shalt not, shalt not be seen. I want to stop with verse 23. We have Moses, a, a man that was known as the meekest man on earth. Who was called by God to lead his children out of bondage, out of Egypt. And we know that Moses was, was a Jew, he was a Hebrew, but he was raised as an Egyptian in Pharaoh's household. And he was so consumed by the injustice that he saw being done to the Israelites that he actually killed an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew. And he fled. And he spends 40 years in the wilderness tending sheep for his father-in-law Jethro. And he sees the burning bush. He sees something on the mountain. He goes up, and, he's, and that's chapter 3, and he sees this bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. And he's interested, but he's very afraid. And he hides his face because of fear. That's chapter 3. Now he's made experience after experience after experience with the Lord in the 30 in the 20, the 30 chapters following chapter 3. And he gets to a point where he's on the mountain, he gets the 10 commandments, he hears the commotion, he comes down, he sees what has happened. He is so righteously indignant that he breaks the tablets. And he's beside himself because of what the Israelites had done while he was gone. But yet his love for these people was so great that God gives him the offer of, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And he says, no, no, that's not, that, you know, that's not what you promised to Abraham. What you promised to Abraham that was out of his seed would be a nation. Repent of this evil that you want to do. He causes God to change his mind. And he says, if you can't forgive these people, blot me out. Whoa. That's a servant leader. That's a leader with a servant heart. Where do we read that in the New Testament? Paul. Paul said he wished he could be accursed for his brethren, the Jews. He would have given up his salvation that his brethren, the Jews, could have been redeemed. But we know that can't happen. The only man that could give himself for others and that they might be saved was the Son of Man, Jesus our Savior. But yet that was the heart that Moses had. So we get back to chapter 33 here. Now, Mo, now God is so upset with the children of Israel, and he's, in there, you know, we've, he's, he's cleaned house, so to speak. 
But he says to Moses, you need to remove the tabernacle from within the camp to without the camp. I can't go with these people. They are stubborn and stiff-necked. And if I was in their midst all the time, I would snuff them out. That's my translation. So they move the tabernacle outside of the camp, afar off. And we read that Moses goes in to minister, to, to, to speak with the Lord, and the Lord descends in a cloud. And all of the people get to the doors of their tents to watch, to see what's going to happen. To, and they, that was the way they could worship. And they, they were told to take off all their ornaments, and they did. They were just very humble, very simple people with a repentant heart watching Moses commune with God. And it says that God spoke to him face to face through this cloud. And that's kind of the way we, we think things are going to settle out. But then we read that Moses now goes back up on the mountain. And he has a desire. And his desire was that he wanted to see God. Not the cloud. God. He said, show me your glory. Show me your presence. I can't go without you. You're asking me to lead these people. If you're not coming with us, I can't do it. Promise me, and I got a little bit out of order there. Promise me you're going to go with us. Promise me that you won't remove yourself from us. And God says, I won't, but I'm going to do it from without the camp. I'm not going to be within the, but, and then we, and then we get to the point part where, where Moses is just, he's begging God, I need to see you. Well, how was it that this man that was afraid to see God was afraid to be even around the burning of the bush and trembled at the words that he heard? He says, I need to see you. I want to know you in a more full measure. I remember once at a testimony here and there was a young brother that was giving his testimony and he made a comment that Brother Urs picked up on. And Brother Urs, I think, and I don't know if Brother Urs said that in the testimony or after, but he said, I was so impressed that this young brother said, I want it, I need to, I need or I want to know God. How much do we want to know God? How much of a desire, brothers and sisters and, and friends, do we have within us that says, I need to know God? We can see evidence of God everywhere. I, I actually saw a YouTube clip last evening where, where this extremely intelligent man, and I don't remember his name, but I, I, I know that the gentleman, I know of the gentleman that was interviewing him that said as, as time progressed, he, he believed that in, in, in like 1963, 63 or 66, Time Magazine had a headline that said, is God dead? And he said he believed that that was the peak of atheism. But ever since that time, science has continued to prove that there absolutely has to be a God. 
That the more and more we learn, the more and more that scientists can discover gives evidence that God is not dead and that there absolutely was this intelligent designer that created everything, including us. So evidence of God is everywhere. But observing the evidence of God and knowing God are two separate things. And God isn't hiding from anyone. And what I love, and, and I know I preached a sermon maybe 20 years ago, maybe not that long ago, about on this chapter, was that the, I love the tenderness of God, where, where Moses is saying to God, I need to see you, not just know you, not just hear you, not just understand your law, but I want to see you. And God says, okay, I'm going to place you in a spot in the, in the cleft of a rock. And you're going to be able to watch me pass by, but as I get closer, I'm going to put my hand over you. And as I pass, I will remove my hand so you can see my back parts because no man can see my face and live. Wow. And he did. Imagine a God that creates everything that we see, creates everything that is and was and will be, and created us to be so concerned about his servant's desire that he would meet him personally like that so he could see him as he passed by. There's another Verse, couple verses I want to read real quick. It's in chapter 34, verses 29 and 30. So Moses is given new tablets to take back. In verse 29 of chapter 34, And it came to pass, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of the testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount that Moses wits not, that his skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh unto him. What happened, dear ones? It was the effect or the result of seeing God. Moses' face was the evidence that he had seen God. He radiated something different. He actually, we read, he had to put a veil over his face because it frightened the Israelites. Moses was in the presence of Almighty God and his countenance was changed. And I have to ask myself, do I spend enough time in the presence of God that my countenance has changed? That those that see me as I interact with them see the evidence that I was with God? We can come into the presence of God in a way that not even Moses could. 
We can come into the presence of God because our sins have been cleansed, have been washed by the blood of our Savior. We have God living within us in the person of his spirit. Moses did not. John, in his epistle, said, I believe it's chapter 4, it might be verse 17, but I'm not sure of that. He said, as he is, as Christ is, so are we in the world. We become, and and I don't mean this in in a, you understand the context, we become God to the people of this world. We are his representative, his ambassador. We represent him. And there needs to be evidence in our lives that we have been in his presence. If not, we can't be a good ambassador. Jeremy asked the question in Bible class this morning, how can we do, are we able to do the same things as the four friends that brought someone into the presence of the master? And the absolute answer is, yes, it is. Yes, we can do that. I think the concern in my own heart is that not often enough do I have a burden enough to bring my friends into the presence of the Lord. Imagine, dear ones, the power that would be in the fact that maybe we get together. We're so concerned about a soul that we get together, not just on a Wednesday night as, as when we're trying to figure out what we do between topics or maybe as part of our Wednesday night Bible study, but what if there was a special time When some of us with a burden just said, can we please get together? We need to bring our friend into the presence of the Lord. There's power in that. But for that to happen, I need to spend more time with the Lord. There's a verse that I read over that I have read many times and it never hit me. And it's verse 11 in chapter 33. The beginning part of the verse says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh with his friend. That's the part of the verse that I always focused on. Wow, Moses must have had an amazing relationship with God because even the the writer here, which would have been Moses relating this, but could identify it as two friends having a conversation. But the verse doesn't end there. And and it doesn't end where it says, and he turned again into the camp. What I want to focus on in the next couple minutes is, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Joshua didn't leave. Joshua went into the tabernacle with Moses. Joshua was there when the cloud descended. Joshua heard the conversation with Moses and God. And when Moses left, Joshua stayed. Why did he stay? Because there was something special about being in the tabernacle where God was. Joshua, this young man, and we, you know... Imagine if you, were, if you were new to hearing these stories and you didn't know what would happen to Joshua. We know from Sunday school that the only two 
The only two that left of the millions or million or whatever it was that left Egypt to enter the promised land are Joshua and Caleb. Not even Moses made it into the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb did. Why? Because they, they had faith in God. And where did that faith come from? Where did this, this unquestioning belief that the land was going to flow with milk and honey and that we could overcome all of those that were in that, that would get in our way? It's because Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. He didn't leave. He said, I want to be where God is. I want to see the God that my mentor is seeing. Joshua wanted to be close to Moses. Why? Because Moses was his connection to God. There was this desire that welled up within him to be where God was. And I can't believe that I've missed that verse 60, well, I can't say 60 years of my life because probably the, well, I know I couldn't read the first probably five or six but I will tell you that, you know, in the last 41 years, 42 years as a believer, I don't remember what it was. I'd have to ask Sister Ev. She'd know. I never remembered that verse. I never noticed that verse. That verse should have been much more powerful to me or that part of the verse than God spoke face to face with Moses, his friend. I need to spend more time in the tabernacle. I need to spend more time in the presence of my father. Jesus knew it. Jesus modeled it for us, for his disciples. And we read it throughout the gospels. Jesus went apart into a quiet place to pray. Jesus rose up early, long before his disciples, and went out to pray. Jesus spent all night praying. And I somehow think that the few minutes that I spend a day in the morning and in the evening, my morning is my longer prayer. Boy, that, you know, that's, I shouldn't even say that. It is longer than the others. I have not spent hours in prayer. Jesus did. Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. And when Moses spent time with God, he looked different. And we should too. I asked myself the question this morning, why did Joshua stay? What was it, other than maybe a little bit of curiosity, that caused Joshua to stay? And I really believe that Joshua was very, very concerned by what was happening. So think about it. Joshua leaves Egypt. He believes that, it, that God's promise is going to be fulfilled, that they're going to go to a land that flows with milk and honey, that they're going to drive out, and we read about all the, all, all, all the ites that are going to, you know, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Hivite, whatever. They're all going to be driven out. Even though there are giants in those lands, it's not going to be a problem. And then while Moses tarries on the mountain, getting the tablets, he sees what happens. He sees how quickly people forget. And he sees how quickly sin raises its ugly head again. I think, I think Joshua stayed in the tabernacle because he was really concerned about what was happening in those days. He was concerned about the fact that God had to say, I can't be in the midst of you anymore. That was shaking him to his core. 
So the only place he could go where he knew he could find security and safety was the tabernacle because that's where God was. There's a hymn that we have in our gospel hymns that I just want to close with. It's hymn 100, it's 809. The hymn writer of this hymn, so clearly was inspired by the verses in John. But I think he understood a little bit more. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet that the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me, and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. I'd stay in the garden with him, though the night around me is falling. But he bids me go through the voice of woe. His voice to me is calling. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. That's why Joshua stayed in the tabernacle. Because Joshua longed for a time that we live in, a time when we can go back to the garden. And I want you to think about that, the garden. When God created man, and he created everything that was and is, he created a perfect garden to bless Adam and Eve. And sin came and corrupted it. But Christ came to bring back the garden so that we really can, in the cool of the evening, walk with God and talk with him. We live in times like Joshua did, but the benefit is we don't have to go to a tabernacle. We can go into our spiritual garden as much as we want, as frequently as we want, and stay as long as we want. The question is how often will we decide to go to the garden to be with our Lord. May the Lord add his blessings to these words.